All right. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up to uh, the Gospel of Luke 22, Luke chapter 22, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So if you make your way two-thirds in the Bible, you'll find Matthew, then just move over two books. Uh, Matthew, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 22. And uh, we'll start this way. I think it's interesting. I don't know if this has ever happened with you, um, but... But it's interesting when it feels as if when you're reading the Word that what you are reading is syncing with your life. Uh, not so much a brag fest in that uh, what you're reading, you're like, oh, well, I do that, you know. And you're like, way to go, you know, you're welcome, God. Uh, not, not in that sense, but rather that when, when some of the events you are reading about fits in such an applicable way that if you didn't believe that God spoke to you through His Word, you would think it was too eerie. Uh, you're like, okay, this is this is too much. And and, and I think around this time of year, I, I try to do this. We have uh, this Sunday. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, which we'll do an all family communion celebration, like like we always do. Uh, and then the following Sunday after that is is Easter. And now Easter to the Christian Church is kind of a big deal. Uh, it's a day that we commemorate uh, the, our ability to come back to life uh, through Jesus. And, but, but around this time of year, uh, I, I try to personally spend some time focusing my heart around the passion of our Christ. Uh, that uh, I would spend some time looking at His journey to the cross, His arrest, His trial, His punishment, His crucifixion, His, his resurrection... Uh, and then his, and finally his ascension. And I think uh, this is major for, for any believer. And that, that we should always strive to make much of the cross uh, because it's become our beacon of hope. Uh, it's become our place that we find forgiveness of our sins. And, we, and in the resurrection, we equally get to celebrate in that the promise of Christ has come true. That he says, I will be gone for three days. I will be dead for three days, but take heart because I am coming back to life. And, and that's good news for us that, uh, that Jesus is truthful and that he comes back. And, and so that we can die uh, to sin in his death and that we can live, return to the Father in his resurrection. And, and so I, I say that to say I tend to take some time personally and and just try to prepare my heart for really really both the pain and the celebration that we find in Easter uh, because it's a reminder of uh, just our own depravity our own sinfulness but also of God's great mercy and his love for us and but uh, but I'll be honest and, and I'm going to do my very best here not to give you like group therapy um, I don't need you to answer any questions here uh, but but, but this week has been uh, really unlike any other years. And uh, in fact, I've, I've engaged this week with some scenes in ways I never have before. And I've been finding uh, just a place of refuge these last few days in Luke chapter 22, specifically in verses 39 through 46, which coincidentally enough, is where we're going to travel today. You're right. You're like, well, this guy might be saying something. Um, and, and in it, what we find is Jesus praying one of the most inspiring, challenging, 
and honest prayers we will find in, in all of the Bible. Uh, and now, if you've been with us for really any amount of time, you, you might notice that when it comes to uh, the teaching that, that I tend to do, I rarely will um, bring up stories from my own life. Uh, rarely, rarely will I do that. And, and, and I made a decision, uh, and I'm not, I say rarely, not all, I don't do it all the time. Uh, and I, I made the decision a couple of years ago um, not to keep you guessing what goes on during the week uh, when I'm not on this like eight inch platform. Uh, that, that's not my goal. Uh, but, but really for two reasons. That, that number one, uh, my life is exciting, but it's not storytelling exciting. Uh, apart from what God has done for me in Christ. Uh, so, so like, there's not like that many zany adventures of bag to really go around. Uh, and then, then secondly, I, I find that most of the time when a, a pastor like me or a preacher like me will get up and tell a story, uh, you're, you ever get the sense that you're like, is this about Jesus or about you? Uh, because you sure do come off as like the hero of this story. Uh, and you seem to be a genius, and, and so I, I don't want that to be the case. So, so I try to choose to teach the Bible with this diligent approach of making much of Christ. Um, and as we strive to see him more clearly each and every week. But, but this morning, I, I think just a little, little context uh, would be helpful for why and how uh, these verses that we're going to travel through this morning uh, have been working their way in my life this week. Um, so let me take you back a few years ago, okay? Uh, a few years ago, Misty and I began having conversations about a, a specific group of people in the Bible that we're called to serve who are just grossly ignored by the church, uh, just, just grossly ignored by them. And I think part of loving your neighbor as yourself is including people groups that we tend to be blinded to. And and the Word makes it really easy for us. The more time we spend in it, the more these things will be revealed. That, that there's three specific groups that you find that, that God says you need to, need to be aware of them and you need to serve them. Okay? And, and those groups are, are the homeless, the widows, and the orphan. The homeless, the widows, and the orphan. So if you're ever like, I don't know who God wants me to serve. You can never go wrong with serving the, one of these three groups, if not all of these groups, all the time. And... And God tells us very specifically how we care for them is important to how the world sees us. And, and so, so a few years ago, God started moving uh, in Misty's heart, which is usually the way God starts speaking to me. Uh, and so uh, God starts moving in Misty's heart about ways our family can serve, specifically the orphan. Uh, and, and when I say our family, we, she, we mean our family, but also uh, the church family, and, and so what, what's happened out of that is this God-sized adventure where we have this desire to partner the church with, with these efforts. Uh, that, so, so this started really a couple years ago with some mergers, spending some time serving at, at retreats or hosting uh, an everybody's birthday party or, uh, or spending an entire week serving as a counselor at a week-long camp uh, as we serve one of our ministry partners, we recognized in our talk notes today, uh, our father's children, who their desire is just to provide an incredible experience for kids in the CPS system, which is orphans in our in our foster care system. And, and so 
but, but for Misty and I, this process began uh, some deeper conversations about how we can uh, serve these kids who are who on no fault of their own have found themselves in a difficult situation. You know, sometimes it's easy to look at a person and say, you know, it's your fault you're here, so how about you just stay there, right? But we're talking about kids who are on no fault of their own find themselves in just these, these predicaments. And so uh, when we had an opportunity to sell our house and build a new one, uh, one of the steps we knew we wanted to take was to build some space for uh, kids to where we could foster uh, in our home. And, and so over the past few months, uh, we've, we've been going through this process of, of trainings and interviews and, and paperwork and paperwork and paperwork. Ivan and Jill, they kind of know what we're talking about. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're CK buddies. We met at training. Uh, and, and so they know about all this paperwork that you, you, like, you have to know how to read to foster people. I'm just letting you know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> which I don't know how yet. So, uh, and, and so over the last, I guess, uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, we became licensed, and, and I think that the, our, our agency really thinks Misty's the adult. I'm just an older kid. Uh, that, so Misty has a license. I'm on of this probationary period. Um, but, but two Fridays back, uh, we received a phone call, and it was this, this placement call. And they said, hey, we have, we have two boys. Uh, we were wondering if you guys would be able and willing to take them in and and we said uh yes and uh and and now most of you kind of know this because you've kind of been uh in prayer with us you've been in prayer for us about this adventure of the god size we spent some time during merge groups talking about you know where we're going what god is doing in this process and and last week many of you uh were eager to meet our two boys they're they're in uh, merge kids right now uh, and you got to love on them, and you got to shake their hands, and you got to see them, and you got to celebrate with us. And and the support over the last couple of weeks, or last couple this week especially, uh, has been uh, much needed and greatly appreciated. I'll say it that way. Um, your your texts, your calls, just the the, the people who have stepped up to help, uh, and it's this this testament of what biblical community, at least in my eyes, should look like. Uh, where people say, you know, we, we are, as the church, partnering with one another as we pursue these God-sized adventures. And, and so it's been great. I mean, the boys, the boys are great. Uh, they, they are most definitely boys. Uh, they are full of energy. Uh, they are loving. They obey as much as pretty much your kids do, uh, you know, at that age. Uh, and, and it's been really, really fun. That part has been really fun. Uh, but, but as I say that, and, and I kind of bring us into Luke 22, uh, the rest of this week has been just the hardest, just, just painful and difficult. And, and I think that there are, part of that is that there are, there are new changes that are happening at every corner. This is, this is part of the training I wish somebody would have had with me, uh, that there are, there are new uh, changes at every corner. Everything is unsettled. Uh, everything becomes a challenge. Uh, and if you're like me and you enjoy working hard to settle things so that you can operate in peace, it becomes really difficult. And, 
And so our house went from having an only child, well really our house went from me and Barrick being the only children in the house, uh, to now we have three boys, which props to you parents um, who have been in years with multiple kids. Uh, like, like, that's a feat, and congratulations. Kelly, good job. Because okay, I know you have four kids in your house, three girls and Chris. So, um, but, but, so, so the whole rhythm and the whole dynamic of just the house this week has changed. And, uh, and, and again, uh, just, just getting these, the boys registered for school, uh, helping them establish new and healthy routines and getting to know them and, and all of it, which they, they've handled like champs. Uh, they walked in and they said, hey, this is, this is our home. Uh, and it, one of the most rewarding parts of it is when uh, they alternate between calling me bag and dad, you know. And so I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty neat, right? Um, and if it wasn't for the hard work of some fellow mergers who work in the Azel ISD, um, they w- I would be looking at homeschooling kids, um, which means they would watch a lot of Netflix, play a lot of video games. Uh, you know, the things that you really need to know how to do in life. Who needs math when you know how to work the Netflix? And, but but, but on, on Wednesday, and it's important that I, that I would say this, that the boys have never been part of the, the challenge for this week. They've been great. Um, but... But with, with so many changes and, and so many things happening and just the weight of their situation and trying to say, God, how do we love them in this transition? Um, you know, these are boys who got picked up from school, went to the CPS office, and within hours came to our house. Um, uh, around Wednesday, uh, I was having what, what you could probably call a moment um, or more accurately described a meltdown. Uh, I was I was a mess. Mark, uh, I was uh, finishing a run, and I saw Mark, and he's like, "So how's it going?" I was like, "Good," you know, and just and if you know me, that like those tear ducts most of the time are broken, like they just don't work. Um, but but I was having uh, this moment where on Wednesday I was just a mess, uh, just just poured out. Just empty, knowing knowing that that God had called us on this adventure, this adventure, but wondering um, why it was so hard at the moment just to keep taking the next step. Uh, literally sitting underneath a tree, uh, and it reminded me of all these places uh, in the Bible where people are sitting underneath trees just waiting to die, you know. Um, and and again, it's so important that you would hear this. It's, it's, it wasn't the boys. Boys are great. Uh, it's just all the other stuff. And and it was during this moment that, again, it's either a moment or a meltdown. I'll just be honest here. Everywhere else, it's just a moment. Here's what it was a meltdown. Um, that, that God began speaking and reminding me of this scene that I believe should always be attached to the Easter story. Uh, so much of the Easter story begins uh, with the crucifixion of Jesus, and we forget this road that Jesus had patiently been leading his disciples down. Uh, and we forget in the final week of Jesus' life before the cross that he does these incredible things and he teaches, and in so doing them, teaches us some important matters about how we relate to God. And, 
And so it was, it was in this moment that God began to speak um, and reminded me of this, this moment when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives, um, in, in what he would consider, not a meltdown because he doesn't have those, but in a moment that we would consider that he's having a moment. Um, and, and in Mark, he's, it'll, he will say that Jesus was sorrowful, his soul was sorrowful to the point of death. And how does Mark know that? Because that's what Jesus says. He says, guys, my soul is sorrowful to the point of death. And, and in this prayer, okay, uh, I have found some help. And I've found some hope these, these past few days. And I want to share some of those things that, that, uh, that I feel like God has shared with me in uh, these words. And, and I just want us to walk through them. And I want to point out ten truths. So uh, there's a chance we may be here for three days. Uh, and so, um, but, but let's, let's go here. Let's go enough about, that's the context. Okay, not therapy, context is what we call it. Um, Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 39. And he, being Jesus, came out and went, uh, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, okay, when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Okay, number one, in your talk notes, Prayer reminds me who I belong to. Prayer reminds me who I belong to. Praying that you may not enter into temptation is a reminder that you have someone to pray to who is more capable of caring for you than you are yourself. And that's great news for me. The fact that you and I can pray to a loving and a just God is a beautiful reminder that he is more capable of caring for you than, than you are for yourself. For the disciples, there are going to be many moments in the, fall, in the next couple of days. There's going to be a moment happening in, within the next couple hours where the temptation would be to take matters into their own hands and go somewhere else. And yet Jesus says, spend some time linking up your heart with the Father's that you may not fall into temptation. Because within moments... They're going to see Jesus arrested with armed guards. They're going to, some are going to see his trial. Some are going to hear the roar of the murderous mob scream, Crucify him! They're going to hear that. Then they're going to associate, Wait, they know that I know him. And they're going to come for me. How do they know that? Because Jesus says, They're going to come for you. Because they came for me. And they know that we're connected. And the temptation will be to scatter somewhere and never return. And he says, pray for that. That prayer is, has a way of encouraging your spirit to walk in the boldness of the adventures of the God size. He has a way of encouraging your spirit simply because you tap into a relationship with an infinite power and infinite capabilities. Verse 41. So Jesus looks at them and he says, hey guys, you need, you need to pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then he, he withdrew, verse 41, he withdrew from there about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. About a stone's throw. So he's not very far from these guys, but he withdraws by himself. That leads us to number two. That there are times when only God can help. 
There are times when only God can help. And I admit uh, that this sounds like the greatest cliche uh, when you find yourself in a difficult season, right? Has anybody ever told you that in the midst of a difficult season? You're like, no, I don't like that advice. Um, it might be true, but that's just dumb. You know, there's times only God can help. And I'm like, are you trying to get out of helping me now? Um, and so and this is something I was reminded of a few days ago while looking through some old notes that, uh, that, that, that sometimes your breakthrough moment with God comes at a break me moment. And, and, and I feel like there are these moments when God says, hey, I'm going to draw you into this situation and I want you to understand that I am your only hope. Now, here's what, here's what we know about Jesus right now. He can't go to the disciples and say, guys, I need your protection. He can't go home and he finds his dad or his mom and say, hey, guys, this is what's going on. He can't go to his brothers. He can't go to his buddies. He can't. This is a moment where it's just him and God and he knows, I can't do this apart from you. Because I belong to you. And, and I think there, there's no one but God to go to because the stakes of this matter are much too high. And it's in this moment that God is going to provide Jesus with what only he can provide. Okay? It's such a beautiful moment that for years I just read past. And we'll, we'll get to it. And this, is, this, I think, is where our faith really grows into something substantial. That, that this is not a moment of, oh my God, I found myself in such a mess, uh, please save me. This is, this is the, recon, the recognition, what is that? That's not even a word. Uh, this is recognizing what the psalmist in Psalm 121 recognizes when he says this. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven in the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. That God is fully aware, fully near at all times. And I think too often uh, we believe that if we're in a place where God is our only hope, uh, then, then we are in such a dire situation that typically guilt starts to rise that how have I gotten myself into such a mess? When, when I, I don't know if this is always needs to be the case, that, that I think when we find ourselves in these situations where only God can help, that we are in the best place we can be because we get to have this relationship with Him and we get to see Him move. So let's, let's get to this prayer. Jesus is going to pray. Verse 42, saying this, Father, if you are willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And you're like, Jesus said what? Did, did Jesus really just say, um, just letting you know, if there's another way, let's do it that way. This, this is what's happening. So number three, this is what I want you to realize. A few words go a long way. This is perhaps is one of the most famous uh, prayers in all of the Bible, and it spans 18 words. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And, and I think Jesus teaches us some powerful things in just 18 words. That he starts off with this. He says, Father. 
says, you are mine, and I have a close, I have an abiding relationship with you. As a father loves a son, so you love me. Okay? So, Father, we have an intimate relationship. Uh, If you are willing, right? And that's the part we don't like. And that's the part we typically leave out of prayers, right? Usually it says, uh, Father, remove this cup from me. (laughs) But yet, he says, if you are willing. He said, Jesus acknowledges this is not about me. This is about your power in my life. And I think that's an important realization for our hearts. And then, then his request will lead us into number four in our talk notes, that it's okay to speak my heart with God. I think often we're confused as to what is acceptable to say to God and what's not acceptable to say to God. And I think Jesus here gives us a permission. He says, I know, I know the cross is the plan, but if there's another way, let's go that route. If there's another way, let's go right, this route, that route. Because if this was about me, this is my request. This is how I would prefer for this to play out. And you can't blame Jesus here. He is, he is about to suffer in one of the most uh, painful ways possible. And that's not the worst of it. That's not the worst of the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. Uh, The worst part of it is when Jesus takes on the sins of mankind, there's this moment when the cherished relationship that he has always had with the Father is broken. And because of God's unwillingness to tolerate sinfulness, because he is so holy and so right in this, that relationship is severed. And I believe that's the worst part. That Jesus looks, and he's not that he's worried about the pain of, of the lashes, or the whips, or the spit, or the crown, or the cross, any of that. I think he looks ahead and he says, for just, even just for a moment, this is going to be broken. And I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be the case. And here Jesus says, I want this in a different ways. And then he models something towards us. Starting with one word, he says, nevertheless. And that leads us to number five, that, that prayer is a way of reconfirming my commitment to God. Prayer is a way of reconfirming my commitment to God. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This story is not about me. It's about your will. It's about where you have led me. And since I have found refuge in you before, I will find refuge in you still. Since I have found refuge in you before, I will find refuge in you still. My desire is that the desire of your heart would be known and lived out in my life. Nevertheless, nevertheless, and this is what I love. This is, I think this is the mo- one of the most important parts of prayer. Is that we would be able to go to the Father as a son goes to his father and lay his request out. But then we would be willing to submit to whatever the Father says. Nevertheless, not your will, but uh, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43. And check out, check out this. This is so beautiful. And there appeared to him, right? Who's him? Jesus. Very good. Some of you are like, ah, uh, Peter. Um, 
And there appeared to Jesus an angel from heaven. And what does he do? Strengthening him. Number six. God will answer my prayers. And now I'm just warning you, you're not going to like this word in the best ways. God will answer my prayers in the best ways. And this is, this is where faith and false expectations collide. Okay? This is where they collide because we tend to believe that we know what is best for us and that God will see it that way all the time. Then he'll be like, you know, that guy's really smart. He sees things very clearly here. Let's just do whatever he says. And the honest truth is that there are many areas of your life that you don't, you don't know what's good for you, let alone what's best for you. Is that, is that a fair assessment of your life? That, that we say, God, I, I know what's best for me. And he's like, that's not even good for you. Not even remotely good for you. You're an idiot. That's not even, no. That's dangerous. You don't see where that's going to lead you. You don't realize how empty that request is. You don't realize how small that prayer is. And I think this is why a growing faith is so vital because it leans into God and it builds a trust in that even though we may not know how best to handle any given situation, He does. He does. And even though we don't know if we have the strength to take another step, He does. Even, even when we feel like we are at a loss, He never is at all. And He answers our prayers according to His mercy and His wisdom and His insight. He answers that way. He never fails us with His answers. Okay, and now the hurdle, the hurdle to that, right? We like that He never fails us with His answers when all of a sudden we get the ice cream and the puppy dogs, right? You know, when it's smooth selling. But, but we don't like that ending when he says no. And you're like, but I really want it. And he's like, no, but I really need it. No. It's not what's best for you. I don't want what's best for me right now. I just want what's good for me right now. Well, I don't know what's good for me right now. I just want whatever that is. God says, no. I'm working in your life to make something beautiful out of it. I'm putting your life on display so that others can find life in me. This is not about your story. Because it's so small and insignificant apart from my movement in it. Verse number 7. God wants to call... I'm sorry. God wants us to call to Him in order to strengthen us. In order to strengthen us. The purpose of prayer is intimacy with the Father. And I know some of you are like, well, I thought it was just to tell God what we need, as if He didn't already know. Right? If we believe that God knows all things, is aware of all things, and is near in all ways, then... then if we think about it, the practice of letting God know what you need is really void. Because <laughs> He knows that. 
And so the application of prayer is understanding I want to pursue an intimate relationship with the Father, that we pray to God through Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the intent is to gain strength and wisdom and insight as we walk into His adventures for the praise of His renown. That's why we do that. And it's when we are engaged in this practice, uh, this practice of prayer, uh, that we draw close to Him and we see His great worth while gaining strength for the adventures of, of this gospel that we call to Him not as a, rela- as a last resort, but as a best resort. He is, you will never fail by taking whatever the matter is to God first. Verse 44. And being in agony, He prayed more earnestly, and His sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And I... I've been looking at this verse from a different angle this week. And I think perhaps number eight is fitting that seeing God provide through prayer will motivate you to press into Him more. And, and I get this because of two words. More earnestly. More earnestly. And, and, and I think God's provision through prayer motivates us into more prayer. And I think you have a valid argument to, to be made here that, that maybe Jesus didn't feel like God was strengthening him enough and so he wanted to pray harder, right? But what if, what if he prays more earnestly because God is providing strength to continue praying in and to pressing in and to longing more for that? I, I believe it, it, was, it was the help which led him to even more earnest prayers. He is finding strength and this leads him toward this deeper pursuit of the heart of the Father. That he prays more earnestly. Verse 45. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them uh, sleeping for sorrow. Found them sleeping for sorrow. And this is is what we got. Number nine. After praying, there's a step to take. There's a step to take. And, and and then we get this because it says, and when he rose from prayer. He rose from prayer. You realize Jesus didn't just stay there praying about it. Right? And I think I think often, and now I'm just going to kind of bring us into this picture. I think too often uh, when we're, we are praying about things, that really what we're doing is procrastinating of doing what God has told us to do. Right? Have you ever like, oh, well, I'm still praying about that. And you're like, not really. I just don't want to do it. We're, we're going to spend some time after Easter uh, in, in the story of Jonah. And that's, that's, a, that's a fitting analogy for God's pursuit of His own glory. So Jesus prays. But he doesn't live in that prayer time the rest of his life. He doesn't stay in the garden. And he doesn't stay in that garden knowing what is coming up. He stands and he rises and he walks. And that is perhaps one of the most useful tools of prayer. Realizing 
that I, this is a rest zone so that whatever God has revealed to me, I would stand up and I would walk. Because there is still yet things to be done. There are still adventures yet to be lived. And if I choose to live here, I don't get to be who God has created me to be. God doesn't just speak to you so that for the benefit of just you. He speaks to you for the benefit of the world. So you cry out to Him. Let's say it this way. God gives you strength not solely for more prayer, but for more action in the gospel. He's moving in you so that He can move through you. That you cry out to Him because He is your hope. He is your strength. He is your refuge. He answers you in the best way because you are His and He is yours. And then you move from the sideline onto the field where the real game is being played. That's what it is. Prayer is a pit stop. Then verse 46. So so Jesus comes out. He's a stone's throw away, right? Let's imagine this scene. He tells them, hey, pray that you would not fall into temptation. He goes away. He prays this incredibly powerful 18-word prayer. He rises and he comes back. And he finds them sleeping for sorrow. Verse 46. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? And I think often God would look at you and say the same thing. Why are you sleeping? There's things to do. Rise. Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So, so strangely enough, the, this scene is blanketed with the same statement, right? Pray that you would not fall into temptation. Number 10, prayer reminds us that God is for us. Prayer reminds us that God is for us. And I think it's, it's interesting that, again, that, that we would start, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And so it begs the question, why is that? Why do we blanket this? Uh, why do we bookend it? And I think uh, because, because God is for you and He has come to you that, that He has come to take you from hopelessness into this marvelous light of His salvation. That God is for you even in those moments you don't feel He is anything but a billion miles away from you. That, that, that He is for you in those moments that you feel that there is no more strength in you. That He brings that kind of strength that, that can only come from Him. And the fact that the break me moment didn't actually break you is a testament to his goodness and his faithfulness to you. You with there? You ever been in that moment you say, this is it. I'm just going to sit underneath this tree and wait to die. And some of us can smile and say, yeah, I remember that moment. And that smile is just a mask. Some of us can smile because they saw God bring them through that. And they acknowledge that it is only by His grace and His power that that was even possible. 
So, so on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, I, I felt like I was, I was there. <laughs> I, was, I was there. I was in that. I was feeling the strain of, of uncertainty. I was feeling the guilt of, of that I was failing uh, my family and my boys and most importantly, my God. And some of that was just the enemy whispering. Uh, some of that was him saying, hey, you, you aren't good enough. And some of that was, was God very gently whispering, you aren't good enough. <laughs> you aren't. But I am. And the more you lean into me, the more uh, you'll be able to breathe. The more you'll be able to walk, the more steps you'll be able to take. I, I, I thought he was... Here's what I thought. I thought he was making a mistake and that he overestimated what, what we were capable of doing. Like, God, I, you screwed this one up, and this is your fault. But I think, I, I know, I know, that God, God meets us in these garden-like moments, and he mends us. He mends us. And he said, I've been in this garden for a long time. I don't feel any mending going on. And I would say, be patient. Because he doesn't lie. He says, he comes to care for us. He comes to lavish us. He comes to take what is broken in us and heals it. He comes what is sinful in us and he cuts it away. So that good fruit can grow out of our lives. That He brings us strength. And, and we slowly and sometimes reluctantly begin to realize that the work He has begun in us is, is not in our own abilities. But that He is producing in us something powerful where His fame is seen and His power is felt. And so I don't know. I don't know if you've been in that garden. I don't know if you are in that garden. I don't know if you're sitting underneath a tree waiting to die. <laughs> I hope not. It's not a good place to stay. It's not a hopeful place to be. But I pray that we would recognize some important parts about bringing these parts, these painful parts, to God. And I pray that we would have the eyes to see him mending that and Him strengthening that. Because I do believe very firmly, I think it was Thursday, yeah, Wednesday I was having the moment. Uh, Mark very awkwardly handled it like a pro. Uh, he just started talking and just kept talking until I just walked away. Uh, I was like, see you. And, but it was on Wednesday God reminded me of the scene. And I don't find it a coincidence that on Thursday was the first day I felt like I could breathe. I don't find that coincidental. I don't think there's a report that says every person that starts this process, oh, it's going to take like three or four days, because Misty had her day like on Sunday night and Monday, which I laughed at um, in a loving way, um, because I was awkward, didn't know how to fix it, and so I just started talking. Um, 
But I don't find it coincidental that God would take me to this place where Jesus is crying out to him. That I would be reminded of that and I would start that. Because when you can't breathe, right? Everything is out of control. But you've got to breathe a little bit and all of a sudden you got to start to see the goodness. And that, it doesn't make the rest of the stuff easier. There's still a thousand things changing. There's still brand new routines. There's more appointments to go to. There's more paperwork to fill out. It's a joke how much paperwork. But that God cares for us in such a powerful way, guys. And He does. And I pray that you would see that. And that you wouldn't feel a billion miles away from Him. That you wouldn't feel overwhelmed by where He's led you. By where He's led you, He took you here. And you say, God, you made a mistake. He says, I've never made one Never once have I made a mistake. And that's in making you, too. Never once have I made a mistake. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Dang it, why? Let's, let's please stand with me. We break out today. I just, if you need prayer, come, come find us. Mark and Heather will be up here. Kelly and Misty will be up here. We want to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that in our weakness we get to just see these these beautiful moments of you moving. We thank you that we can lay claim to your promise that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, that, that there's never a moment we're not outside of your view and outside of your care. So, Father, I pray for strength for these people. I pray that they would press into you, that they would find strength for the journey. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.